Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is The World in 10, the biggest stories from around the world as seen by the Times of London's correspondents every day in 10 minutes. I'm Toby Gillis, and the next voice you'll hear is that of Rebecca Myers. Today we're analysing whether the United Nations Secretary-General has done irreparable damage to his organisation's relationship with Israel, as the situation in Gaza falls ever deeper into darkness. It's fair to say Israel's ire is no longer directed solely at Hamas after a huge row broke out with the United Nations. This is the very body whose raison d'etre is, and this is the quote from the website, peace, dignity and equality on a healthy planet. So this began when the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said the Hamas attacks earlier this month did not happen in a vacuum. That's a quote. And Israel's response was furious. There have been calls for Mr Guterres to quit his role. It's also worth saying that this has moved a lot as we planned today's podcast. And just before we recorded, um, Guterres made a statement saying he is shocked by what he calls misrepresentation by some of his comments, insisting it's false that he was justifying acts of terror by Hamas. Yeah, still, as we record, Israel's not changed its response. UN representatives will not be issued visas if they attempt to visit. One person, the Undersecretary-General for Humanitarian Affairs, Martin Griffiths, has already been refused entry. And one of Mr Griffiths' predecessors in that role was on Times Radio discussing the situation this morning. Uh, This is Stephen O'Brien, who thinks Israel's anger at Mr Guterres is justifiable. There are some very big question marks about the way the United Nations has taken a view on on the question of of the whole of the Middle East crisis over time and its particular attitude to Israel. That goes back uh, a long time. But there are big questions about how the UN over recent times has operated. And it's very difficult when you think about what the Secretary General and others have said vis-a-vis Russia and its aggression in Ukraine. And then you set that alongside uh, what Israel is trying to do to defend itself against the attacks from Hamas. And there is some notable inconsistencies, which is where I think some of the anger derives. So this is clearly a distraction Israel could do without, as it plans a long-anticipated ground invasion into Gaza, not to mention what's going on to the north, where groups assigned terror status here in the UK and in the US, Hezbollah, Hamas and Islamic Jihad, have met in Lebanon to discuss what they should do. And this is a quote, to achieve a real victory. And it is interesting that this appears to be part of a growing chorus as well of influential people and bodies who are prepared to question Israeli actions. But the Times' correspondent in Israel, Richard Spencer, tells us none of this will have an impact. It seems to me both pointless and unhelpful to have these 
calls, particularly from the world leaders in the UN, until you say to Israel, what is your plan for the future of Israel and the Palestinian people? Please explain. And unless you say to Hamas and the Palestinian Authority and individual pro-Palestinian voices uh, outside this territory, what is your plan to make Israel feel secure again? What, what does any of this mean? What does it mean to call for a ceasefire when thousands of Palestinians and thousands of Israelis have already died? I mean, what, what does it mean? I mean, I just, you know, there, there will continue to be these murderous events on both sides. It's a miserable assessment from Richard there as the misery as well continues in Gaza. At the time of recording, there still appears no prospect of extra fuel reaching the besieged region and the UN is warning it'll run out tonight. Yes, it's hard to imagine what this would be like to live through and and hard to even, to be honest, say. But the ramifications of that are quite simple. No generator power, so water can't be sanitised. The flour that would be, you know, turned into bread can't be and hospitals will cease to run. Ventilators, including those literally keeping babies alive, are at risk of shutting down. Yeah, almost impossible words to hear and worth saying, Israel claims Hamas has more fuel than they're letting on. But we know there isn't much either way. Speaking in the last hours of power, Dr Ghassan Abu Sitta sent us this voice note from Gaza. It looks like a kind of shanty tent city. The hospital is completely overwhelmed with wounded patients. People are just exhausted. They look exhausted. Death is everywhere and it touches everyone. Um, it breaks your heart. And as things stand, the situation may yet become even more bleak. I don't think there's anyone listening to this who hasn't thought about how social media affects them. It Definitely might not. Completely. I mean, it might affect you positively. Some people will say it has. Um, but there is also evidence that it can do damage to your mental health, especially if you're young and especially if you're a girl. Um, and the issue is not going away, particularly for Meta, the parent company of Facebook. So dozens of states are actually suing Meta over this. They say it's deliberately built addictive features into its algorithms and that that has helped fuel a mental health crisis among kids. The claims have actually been filed in federal and state courts by both Republican and Democratic attorneys general. And these all-powerful algorithms which effectively work out what we like and what we don't and feeds us stuff that it hopes will you know, elicit a reaction and keep us scrolling are why we see what we see when we open our apps. Um, the legal claims say that features like this it also features like likes, photo filters, can promote body image issues as well and things like that, for example. Which all begs the question, what if Meta is forced to change its algorithms? Ramya Nair is the platforms and social media editor of the Times and Sunday Times and says it'll be a delicate balance for them if they are. To become less addictive to users, social media platforms would essentially have to overhaul their algorithms so that young people aren't being served surges of dopamine, which keeps them coming back for more. But if they were to do that, it raises the question of will users just turn off completely from social media? In my opinion, I think users will continue to engage with these apps in a healthier way by coming to them for more meaningful content and useful insights, like with news. Accounts like ours, which are looking at cutting through the noise of fake news in order to give our followers 
engaging but trustworthy content, or to hear from voices and perspectives they might not have otherwise come across. I must say I deleted all social media from my phone recently and it's made me feel far better, although not as good as these songs. Tobes, they might be nice songs, but they are hardly uplifting. <laughs> slow, depressing lyrics, all from one of the saddest films of the 2010s. It's not exactly party time. Here. No, but you might be surprised what lifts us up, because a new study has revealed that music, which makes, and this is a quote, your heart ache mm. may ease actual physical pain. Yes, this research is the first time certain music genres have been examined for pain reduction, and the results are maybe a little surprising. The report says the most successful tracks are those that elicit moving or bittersweet feelings. Yeah, all three of those tracks you heard there were mentioned by name. Uh, My only surprise is that Elton John's sad song Say So Much, which is a song specifically about this very study, it seems to me. It doesn't seem to be getting credit for doing this science many, many moons ago. (laughs) Well, there's loads more in this study and and there's a piece on the website today. So take out a digital subscription at thetimes.co.uk and check it out. Sporting umpires unite. Yeah. Uh, you certainly couldn't pay me enough money to be a referee, certainly in English football. Or even, to be honest, at Wimbledon, where everyone is sort of generally very polite, but then you get, you know, shouted at by an angry tennis player. But perhaps the worst sport of all to referee? Petanque. Never heard of it. <laughs> Come on. I have to say, I play this on the green of my favourite local pub in, in the kind of... <laughs> In the kind of courtyard. It's it's a form of balls, essentially. The French game where you roll these heavy metal balls towards a wooden ball. It's all rather leisurely and perhaps too leisurely, it seems. <laughs> yeah, in Gironde, umpires there are effectively striking, saying they're being grabbed, even around the neck, uh, threatened or subjected to death threats by... Uh, drunk players um, believe it or not there is a drinking limit within petanque's rules they're the same as drink driving but it's not really working rebecca are you an offender i may have i may have been over the limit once or twice <laughs> so you're to blame for these umpires <laughs> strife yes indeed i mean it is outside a pub uh, anyway i better stick to presenting the world in 10 i think too right and um stay sober while doing it too oh, of course umpire <laughs> Well, we should probably leave it there and take this route off air. We will see you tomorrow.